You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Greetings, Sacramento Kings fans. My name is Tony Zipteris, host of the Sacktown Royalty Show, the official podcast of SB Nation Sacramento Kings blog, Sacktown Royalty. If you're looking for a Kings podcast to keep you up to date on all the latest news, rumors, notes, and whichever random celebrity Vivek Ranadive decides to sit courtside with, maybe it's Drake, maybe it's Kelsey Grammer, but we'll break it all down on the Sacktown Royalty Show, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else you find every other podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast NBA Preview Series. I'm Mike Prada. Ben is again away because he doesn't like this podcast, and it's too bad because we're talking about a team I think he's interested in, the Sacramento Kings, who are in the post-DeMarcus Cousins era, which we referred to him by another name on this show, just because I know Kings fans want to move on. So what's the next step for the Kings? We had uh, Tony Zipteris from SacktownRoyalty.com. And Kenny Caraway, who hosts a podcast called Casey's Corner. He's one of the biggest Sacramento Kings fans that Ben and I know. So we talk a little bit about the next steps post-boogie. We talk a lot about how great De'Aaron Fox is. We talk about the vets that they added, the old heads. And we talk about some other fun stuff with this team and what's to be expected. So check this out. This is number 7 out of 30 of our limited upside NBA preview series with members from the SB Nation community and other friends of the podcast. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes at Limited Upside. You can check us out on Twitter at Limited underscore Upside. Please leave us a review if you like the show or if you don't like the show and want to change something. We listen to those too. Send, put those on iTunes. You can also check us out and send questions at to the Limited Upside feed, Limited underscore Upside. We ask these on the show and we use these to help kind of set the agenda. So we, you can send questions directly to the folks that run these team sites and run talk about these teams and get their answers on their season we we would love to hear them anyway next up is dallas then we got minnesota but for now we're going to do sacramento kings this is the limited upside podcast Limited Upside Podcast Team Preview number 7 out of 30, the Sacramento Kings, the post-DeMarcus Cousins Sacramento Kings. Uh, it's kind of weird not talking about DeMarcus Cousins for a Kings preview. I gotta, I'm gotta, i not going to lie. I got two folks on to help us do that. Uh, I've got Tony Zipteris from SB Nation's Sacktown Royalty. Also got a new special guest, Kenny Carraway. He's a good buddy of Ben's, really big Kings fan, has his own podcast, the Casey's Corner Podcast. Longtime listener, and you know it's hard to find Kings fans, so we got to have the biggest one on. So uh, how y'all doing? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. It is weird talking about the Kings without DeMarcus Cousins, isn't it? Or is that just me? I think I'm used to it by now. I don't know. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I'm not used to it just yet. The (laughs) the pain has been eased a little bit with my man De'Aaron Fox coming on board, but uh, it's funny. I can't. I can't even. I almost can't look at Boogie sometimes. Like ah. I can't even. He should be here. He should be in the king. I, I was a big boogie fan, so yeah, it's, it's still a little tough. Yeah, the writing was kind of on the wall, though. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. I'm with you. It's hard to watch him in New Orleans. Um, 
but I'm not shocked he's not here. I mean, there's the rumors were going for years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't you? Isn't it like kind of nice to not have to be asking every year? Like, is this year we figure out if it's Boogie or if it's the Kings? Is this year if we figure out if it's Boogie or it's the Kings? Is this year that it? You know, like I feel like that's exhausting after a while. No, it definitely is. Um, it's a it's a kind of a weight lifted off off a of Kings fan's shoulders. You know what I mean? Because you had to deal with rumors and you know people tweeting rumors like, oh, Celtics and Celtics were so hard on for Boogie. Every other week they were creating a trade and they were going to bring him and all that other stuff. So it's kind of nice to not be able to deal with that. But now we get to deal with if our power forward is selling weed or not. So that's <laughs> Well, <laughs> welcome yeah, to the Zach mean, Randolph experience. Well, you knew once he came to the King, something bad was going to happen. Oh, yes. Uh, to piggyback like, off Kenny's point, just just uh, reading the Sacktown Realty comments um, while Boogie was here, I had to avoid them at some point because the discussion was nonstop. Like you said, Mike, is it his fault? Is it the King's fault? At least for now, uh, I'm back in the comments section because everyone's t- at least talking about something else, if nothing else. In that spirit, we're not going to talk much about Bookie anymore, although we'll circle back to him a little bit at the end. I'm sure Kings fans flipped on this podcast and was like, God damn it, we're talking about Boogie? I thought we were past this crap. Exactly. What is the mood of the fan base right now post-Boogie? They obviously have a lot of young talent. It seems like they had a pretty good summer, at least you know a summer that a lot of people liked. Um, some people didn't. But um, what's the mood of the fan base now in this post-Boogie era with all these young guys and then the old, like three old heads that they signed? really excited yeah really excited not necessarily because they you know think they're going to be good or playoff bound this particular year but for the future um De'Aaron Fox getting him I I can you know speak for myself and a lot of other Kings fans that I uh, I talk to a lot getting him really eased the blow of the guys who really miss Boogie because we wanted Fox even before we had the number five pick. And then when it found out that we had the number five pick, it was like we had to get Fox. He wanted to be here in, in Sacramento. And the fact that we actually got him, we actually got what we wanted, rarely ever goes down like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, it, it has everybody buzzing. Um, the other draft picks, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, everybody loves Frank Mason too. Um, they're excited, man. They're excited about the future. Not the immediate future, but the uh, three-year-down-the-road future. It's funny because Fox did want to go to the Sacramento Kings. And I remember the running joke I felt at the time for me, the outside big, bad national media person, was like, wow, someone wants to go to the Kings? Like, what's up with that? And they actually got him. You know, I think that there's something to that. There's a a lot to it. And it's – I don't think there's a dynamic like it in the NBA where we have such this, um, you know, this uh, inferiority complex as a city that nobody ever wants to be here. It's albatross. That's all we ever heard. And when somebody says, Hey, I want to be in Sacramento, we just wrap our arms around them. And that's what happened with Fox. Like they just, once he was tweeting out stuff and in interviews saying it, they fell in love immediately. It It didn't matter what else happened. Once he said he wanted to be here, they just fell in love with him. Yeah, I think that's even why Kings fans attached themselves to DeMarcus Cousins, too, is because he was out there like Fox. Uh, the loyalty is love. He wanted to be here so bad. Or at least, you know, that's that's the uh, the message he would put out there. Um, so I agree with Kenny 100% on uh, how the fan base has rallied around De'Aaron Fox coming here. 
I would say they're cautiously optimistic um, because there's still a, a large section of the fan base that is worried about the front office. And I think for good reason, because you had, you know, Scott Perry came here before leaving for the Knicks for about three months. And all you heard, all you heard. The shortest GM up, tenure ever. Yeah, but man, the way that, the way that he got uh, props for everything the Kings did this summer, uh, everything. I mean, any, David Aldridge, Woj, any big end, big time NBA reporter, you know, credited Perry for turning the Kings front office around. And as soon as, and then he's gone. So I think that's where people are sort of approaching with caution now, wondering, all right, now where's the front office at now that it's back to Vlade and his, his boys. Who is who's the number two behind Vladi right now? I feel like I should know this, but I don't do research. Well, they have two co-GMs. Uh, it's Ken Cantonella, who I think. Oh is, right, yes, is, that's right, Ken Cantonella. Uh, and then they brought in Brennan Williams from the. Um, that's right. Uh, from the Seventy Sixers, who they're both kind of assistant GMs. There isn't a clear cut number right. two. So okay, let's just let's let's hit the elephant in the room then. Like, are we? How confident are you that like okay yeah no boogie like there's. There's Fox there who wants to be there. There seems to be a pool of young talent that's kind of – you're in the fun stage of like being a, a, a franchise where it's like there are no expectations. You can kind of just watch these kids grow up. Like I remember being there with the Wizards about six, seven years ago until they committed to the wrong ones. But that's a whole other story. Um, I mean how confident are you that the front office actually has learned its lessons uh, from the previous few years when they were the most dysfunctional organization in the league? and I would put them ahead of the Knicks. And I think a lot of people would like, how confident are you that they're over that? Uh, personally, I'm, I'm not very confident. I think they had a, a really good draft, but the draft is hard to gauge because the players don't have any say in that. Um, and Vlade is for, for his quirks. Vlade has been a decent drafter since he's been here. Um, but when you get to free agency, you know, it takes both sides to come together and, and make a deal. So We'll know more, I guess, this season at the trade deadline to see how the Kings manage their assets. Um, but I, I'm not all that confident that things are great. And like I said, Scott Perry leaving didn't leave a great taste in everybody's mouth because the uh, the sentiment was, well, if Scott Perry is so good that the Knicks will hire him to be a GM, maybe Vlade should step down or step to a, the side in more of a figurehead <laughs> position and let Scott Perry take over if he's so great. Um, so I think there's there's some some pessimism from a section of the fan base and for myself that, you know, the front office isn't quite there yet, but it's improving. I, I can say that it's improving. So uh, we'll have to wait and see a little bit. Yeah, no, Tony, Tony hit it right on. I mean, I think the, uh, the confidence ever since I don't, I'm, we were trying not to say his name, but since the cousins trade, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can, we, can we think of a euphemism for boogie? That's like, uh, we'll just call him loyalty. That's what he like. Loyalty. Is All right. <laughs> but, uh, Ever since loyalty got traded. Uh, oh, boy, it, that sounds bad. I that know. sounds so weird. <laughs> but I like it. Um, ever since it got, he got traded, it's fluctuated. So right when that happened, I would say the confidence um, was at an all-time low. Everybody thought Vladi didn't know what he was doing. Um, they, everybody, all his supporters even, had, had had enough with him at that point. Um, then the draft and free agency comes in. And like Tony talks about, Scott Perry comes in and just – I, I don't I don't know if you uh, they can comprehend out there Scott Perry coming in and getting guys like Zach Randolph and Vince Carter who we don't even know if they knew Sacramento existed before Scott Perry got there to get them to come in not only meet with us but then sign with us I know they're on the tail end of their career but I, I mean that that's attributed to him in my opinion Scott Perry and, and the way the draft was handled and everything that got everybody feeling good about themselves and about the Kings. 
and then he's gone. And and now it's back to where we were at square one, where do we believe in Vladi and things of that nature? And um and and it hurts me to to feel this way about Vladi because I love Vladi. Like yeah. I really I really wish Vladi in a perfect world would step down as GM and be the figurehead so we cannot be mm-hmm. so critical of him and we can just love him because we talk about guys who uh want to be in Sacramento. Vladi was the first one. Vladi was the original. He signed as a free agent, yep. you know, in the prime of his career and said, I want to be in Sacramento. We'll always love him for that. And it hurts that we have to be so critical of him sometime as a GM. But I, with that being said, I'm not sure how I feel about him being uh, a GM. I, I want to see how, how it goes at this point. So on a scale of 1 to 10, it started at a 3 when loyalty was traded. Then it went to like a... <laughs> it sounded weird the whole time. I love it. <laughs> it went to an 8 after Scott Perry got here. And then when he left and where it's at now, it's probably at around a six, maybe a seven. So, you know, we're on wait, see mode right now. It's funny. Don't ever meet your heroes, right? Cause they always <laughs> let you down later. Uh, it did help too, that with the old heads that Dave Yeager was the coach and he knew him from Memphis. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with it as well. But yeah, you talked about the old heads. There are two Grizzlies guys. And then there's George Hill, who I think got a pretty reasonable deal. He's a good player. Uh, sort of had the point guard market dry out on him a little bit. Like, I think there's a subject a segment of people who would say this is exactly what the Kings need. Some guys who could teach these young pups how to play. And this is great. And Scott Perry did a great job recruiting them and blah, blah, blah. There are other folks I think that would say, well, look, they're just blocking these young guys, you know, playing time. And they signed for a lot of money. I mean... You know, it hurt. They could have used that cap space to order to have more bargaining power. Tony, where do you fall in that debate? I'm right down the middle because when the I know it's not a, a fun take to have, but when you see what a team like the Brooklyn Nets do, I've made this comparison a million times. And you think about, you know, would the Kings be better off? Of course, they drafted De'Aaron Fox. Would they be better off getting more young talent going after D'Angelo Russell, taking the Mozgov contract, and maybe not signing George Hill? I think that's a fair debate to have, or maybe it's not that exact trade, but. Maybe you do the salary dump and use your salary cap that way. Um, Where I do like the George Hill move is that, and maybe you guys disagree, but I feel like it was a pretty fair contract. And if the Kings are going to use their cap space, which they had to use it, and we don't know behind the scenes exactly how these deals worked out. Maybe those salary dumps weren't there for them. I don't know. Um, At the very least, you'd think the Kings can trade George Hill under that contract for, and maybe even pick up an asset for it. Maybe it's a late first rounder or a young player or something. I, I feel like George Hill is a good enough player, young enough on a decent enough contract, only two years, three years. Uh, the last one's not fully guaranteed. I think that's a pretty movable deal. And for a team like the Kings, they have De'Aaron Fox behind him. If he plays well, which we're all hoping he does, uh, then you can theoretically move George Hill and maybe pick up an asset. So at the end of the day, I, I see both sides of that argument, the George Hill signing, but I think it's, even if it goes bad and he blocks De'Aaron Fox, it's salvageable in that you can probably move it and maybe even get something. Um, as far as George Hill, uh, as far as uh, Vince Carter and Zach Randolph, I don't think those guys are going to block too many minutes from the young kids. Uh, Zach Randolph played off the bench last year for a Memphis team that's better than the Kings are going to be this year, and he's a year older. I don't think he's going to have any problem coming in off the bench. And when they introduced those guys uh, as members of the Kings, it was pretty clear that they were coming in as mentors and sort of, low-minute veterans, and it seemed like they were all on the same page with that stuff. I know it all shakes out differently when the season starts, but I'm hopeful that they know their role and that Dave Yeager doesn't rely on them too much because we know Dave Yeager loves his veterans, um, but I'm hopeful that he manages the minutes correctly. Zach Randolph, old head, 
veteran mentor. Like, imagine saying that 10 years ago. I know, crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> but there, you know, look, there is tangible value in having those people around. And George Hill can play the two. So, I mean, theoretically, he and Fox can play together. The Kings also have about 700 shooting guards on the roster. Yeah, they're loaded there. That's a whole separate yeah. discussion. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I mean, I agree with Tony, um, especially with the George Hill signing. Um, as you guys see, we'll talk more. I'm a huge believer in De'Aaron Fox. I'm a big De'Aaron Fox fan and what he's going to bring to this to this franchise. But even with that being said, he's still 19 years old. And uh, it'll be asking a lot for him, not only being 19 years old, but he's got like the body of an 18, 19 years old. So to ask him to go up every night against the Russell Westbrook's name, Lillard's, and, and Steph Curry's, things of that nature, and and you know, and survive, uh, it would be asking a lot. So to get somebody in there like George Hill, especially like you guys talked about on that contract, it's not like they signed him to four or five years or nothing like that. Um, it's, a, it's a reasonable contract. So ideally you think when Fox is ready to completely take over, that'll be about the time when Hill, Hill's contract is up. Um, and even if it happens before then, like Tony said, you can move him um, relatively easily. Uh, Zach Randolph, I, I feel the same way about him. Um, that you guys spoke on and and the 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 crazy thing about it is he is an old man but zach has an old man game so there should be no adjustment to any production that he would be bringing to the team in that respect and and vince carter um i want to sit up there and say vince carter just you know just there for veteran presence and he is um but vince carter went from defying the laws of gravity to defying father time at this point he's actually still relatively productive so while i'm not expecting half man half amazing vince um there's a worst veteran guys that you could have got out there who could have been you know less productive so I mean, I'm looking a lot. A lot of people are talking about the old guys and they say, oh, maybe, you know, Kings are playing for the playoffs and things of that nature. I don't I definitely don't see it that way. But I think these not guys in the are West. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but uh, I, I see these guys coming in and, and being productive in their own right on and off the court. Zach Randolph situation, notwithstanding. But, you know, in the locker room, um, I, I think they could help out. So I'm good with it. I thought it was a good mix. I thought it was a good mix. All right, so I'll admit that I – I mean, I watched every NBA team, but I would say the Kings are on the low end after the trade of uh, loyalty uh, in February. <laughs> so uh, what – Tony, what happened at the end of last year that, like, we kind of missed that is important uh, for the future, whether it's good or bad? It's so tough to evaluate the end of a season for a bad NBA team because I'm going to throw all the cliches at you. You know, they were they played hard for Dave Yeager, a lot of energy. The guy scrapped because all that's true. But what does it really get you? I don't know, because it seems like every young team does that towards the end of the season. There's been a, there were a couple legitimate bright spots. Um, Buddy Heald, who took a lot of criticism when he was dealt here, I think because of how obsessive Vivek Ranadive was over acquiring him. He sort of became a little <laughs> bit of a joke. Um, but he, he played really well. If you look at his numbers after the All-Star break, uh, you know, over 40% from three, 15 points a game, playing a lot of minutes as the go-to guy. And they didn't win a ton of games, but he looked like a starting shooting guard. He looked like he could be a, you know, at best first option, but second or third option. I think it's realistic that he'd get there as an offensive option. And uh, Scott LeBissier had moments, flashes. Um, so all the young guys, they did what young guys on bad teams do at the end of the season. It's going to take, you know, the first couple of months of this season to see how much of that was legitimate when everyone's playing hard and it's it's real basketball it's not garbage time it's not tanking for draft picks 
So we'll see at the beginning of the season how much of the solid production was legitimate. But nothing alarming. It was all good, but I don't know how much value to put on it. Who knows? It is the end of the year. Now, I'm going to put you guys on the spot uh, with this question. Um, You all are familiar with the game Do, Marry, Kill, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We have an NBA version we play with a few people. It's called uh, Max Play Trade. Basically, you have to pick one of these three players that's like you're maxing out at the end of his contract. One of these three players that you kind of are holding on to, you just want to see a little more of, and one of them that you're getting rid of. I'm going to give you three names. Scalabissier, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein. Who are you maxing? Who are you trading? Who are you playing? Kenny. Ooh, this this is a tough one. Um... It, it, it's a tough one. Well, the the first thing that came to my mind is I would max Scal. He's younger. I think his potential ceiling is probably higher. It's definitely higher than Willie's. It's probably higher than Buddy. But I think I think Buddy is a solid, reliable fifteen to seventeen points per game at the two bar two guard position. So I actually just talked myself out of it. I would max. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i love this question it's hard you you, you yeah, want to pick all three but you can't in this question yeah. I, I would max buddy and i would play scout and and scout even with the upside i know there's a debate you know a constant debate about how much you put in to summer league and things of that nature um i didn't think he was very good at summer league and i know it's just a different dynamic but if if you're that guy, so you take a you take an Ingram for instance coming in his second season, and I only played that one game or whatever. But Ingram looked, he looked like he shouldn't have been out there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? In yeah. his in his moment out there on the field on the court, and I didn't I never really saw that in all the games this guy played. So it has me worried. I'm not writing him off at all, but it has me worried a little bit about what we saw at the end of the season compared to maybe what's realistic. So I would play him. And I, unfortunately, I would trade Willie. And you're talking to a guy who, when nobody was stumping for Willie Collins to be drafted by the Kings, I said, we need to go get this guy. At the time, we had our man, we'll just call him 15 now. We had our man 15 <laughs> here. I said, he'd be a perfect compliment to 15. I love Willie. I love, he's another guy who seemed like he wanted to be in Sacramento. I loved him. And while he did show signs I'm not sure. I always thought he could end up being like a Marcus Camby type. And I just don't know if he has the motor to be that productive, like a Camby or a Fareed. That's what I really hope from him. And I don't know if he has the motor. I don't know if he rebounds well enough. I don't know if he's a good enough defender. So based on those three that you, you told me, I think Willie would be the one I would trade. Any disagreements, Tony? Uh, Kenny, I was hoping you didn't switch your answers because now we have the same ones. Um, but no, I, I <laughs> so agree Buddy with showed you. enough to Max already. He was that good. Uh, well, Buddy was really good. He, interesting. He, and and he was a guy. That's a guy that when we the trade happened, I was really down on Buddy. I was like, this guy, he's not that good. He's like 28 years old. We don't really know how old he is. I don't want Buddy healed. But you know what? He played really well in Sacramento, and he actually, I would say, his time in Sacramento probably played he played himself onto that all rookie team with the way he played it in Sacramento. Oh, I would say so for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The only reason why I'd, I'd max buddy over Scal is because he just hasn't, hasn't shown enough and he's so, he's just so raw. Like you want, you want him to reach that potential because he has so much of it, but you just don't know. Buddy feels like a safer. If I have to max someone, he feels like a safer bet just because he has shown so so much already. It's only been one year for him. And as much as I love Willie, I'm actually with Kenny. I was 
tweeting about Willie like three like when he was a freshman at Kentucky. I wanted him so bad on the Kings or just I believed in him as a prospect. But his career so far has been so up and down. He was really he had a really tough time under George Carl. Dave Yeager kind of fixed him. Um, but he has some really uh, big issues for a center, especially with how small the NBA is getting right now. If he's your biggest big man, he doesn't rebound well. And he's just he, he's he his energy level is so up and down. Some some games he's flying around, some games he looks, looks lethargic out there. So as much as I love Willie out of those three, I think that's the guy you have to trade. There always are those questions about like how engaged he is, because you know, when he plays, he's productive, but he doesn't play as much as you would think for his productivity. And usually what that means is that the coach has seen stuff that we don't see in practice and they don't see that day-to-day uh, intensity. I'm not going to be mean and throw in a new do Mary kill or do Mary kill NBA version with like Malachi Richardson and Justin Jackson and Papa Giannis. And I'm sure I'm forgetting about six young players on the Kings right now. Um, Question I got we got from uh, Courtney Kennedy. You can get uh, you can always ask us questions at uh, the Limited Upside Twitter feed at Limited underscore Upside. Uh, what would it take for Buddy Heald to crack? He said top seven shooting guard in the league. Like how good are we actually thinking he'll be relative to his peers? Mm, that's a good question. I hadn't. I'd be honest with you, I had never even thought about Buddy getting that high on the shooting guard list. I, I guess. <laughs> So I probably should think about that if I'm going to max them. But, uh, yeah, I, I would take a lot because right now um, he's a one-trick pony. Like, he's a good scorer. He's a really good scorer. But his defense is really questionable. And to be honest with you, like I said, I don't want to put too much into, into uh, Summer League. But before that Lakers game he had, you know, before they shut him down, he was kind of he – he wasn't what I would want him to be in that setting up until that point. So I would think um, he'd have to be better off the dribble. Uh, he's got to improve off the dribble. And uh, I would I would like to see him be, maybe not, he doesn't have to be, because I think defenders are kind of born in a way. I don't think he's ever going to be a born defender, but maybe a smarter defender, maybe a craftier defender, you know, from that two-guard spot, make people work a little bit more. So that's what I would see from him. Yeah, he's got those two fatal flaws, like you mentioned. He's not a very good defender, and outside of scoring and really even shooting, he doesn't do much else for you offensively. He doesn't create plays off the dribble. He doesn't really go to the rim. Um, so he's a he's a limited offensive player, but he's for what he does do, he's pretty good at it at a young age. But it did take a lot to get him into that into that top tier. It's interesting you know, how much changes over the course of like a few months because, you know, Heald was seen as such a disappointment in New Orleans and he goes to Sacramento and he plays pretty well and now y'all are really optimistic about him and I can understand where it comes from. You know, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle with him, I would think. I mean, that's usually how these things go. Uh, we got some other Kings questions. I think we've kind of touched on these topics, but uh, Corbin Ford-Watson asked uh, – you know, what's the reason other than veteran leadership of bringing in Hill, Randolph, and Carter? I think we kind of covered that one. It's veteran leadership, and there's value to that, um, whether you like people agree or not. One question that was interesting from Jacoba Pellegrini that's kind of related is, you know, do the Kings sort of cap their own ceiling with some of these veteran signings? And that I guess the implication would be that you're not playing the young guys as much. Maybe you're not seeing how good they are. And then there's a cast space issue. Like, is that even a concern on your minds right now? Like, what's the – are we, like, kind of putting an artificial cap on, like, how good we can be? Because, you know, maybe we're going to win a few more games than we want when we need to tank. You know, 
not tank, but we want to lose this year to keep our pick. And when you don't get it next year, you know, are these like considerations that y'all are even thinking about right now? I just don't think the Kings are going to be very good next year, regardless of George Hill, Zach Randolph, and Carter signing. So while I get the point, I mean, if you look at how loaded the Western Conference is, and even the Eastern Conference teams are, most of them are better than the Kings. I, I Kenny may disagree, or Mike, you too, but I think the Kings are going to be one of the worst teams in the league next year. And they had so much cap space, they had to use it somewhere. I, I'm not too worried about what those veterans will do to the record. Uh, no, I agree. I agree with Tony. I don't think uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I also take you know kind of a, a macro. Um, view of the signings of Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. These guys, they got a lot of cachet in the league. They talk to a lot of different players. And I think it would be good for them to come in, be in a place like Sacramento, and, you know, maybe tell their guys, be like, you know what, Sacramento isn't a bad place. You know, you might want to think about that in a year or two. Or, you know, you you might want to – it's a good place to raise a family. You know, they, they love the Kings. It's a great atmosphere. You know, if they come knocking on your door, you know, then they're all right. You know, kind of getting that perception – out of out of there that's been there the last two or three years that it's just this crazy insane place and you never want to be here so you know even if it took you know maybe taking on a zach randolph or a vince carter or something like that it's not going to hurt too much with the younger guys minutes and you you get an opportunity to change the perception of your franchise and in your city so i think it could be, it'd be a positive of course, there's also the risk that they say, "Ugh, you know what? This place really does suck." Uh, <laughs> y'all are wrong, but hopefully it does. Yeah, <laughs> but, not. but I mean, maybe they don't. Um, we're gonna take a little quick break for a, a word from our sponsor, and then we're gonna talk about some fun topics, and we're gonna talk about number fifteen again, uh, but I think in a more fun way. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter. It feels really smooth coming off your skin. It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month, and you can quit at any time. 
time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a focus set of more cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges just ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. We're back on the Limited Upside podcast, uh, Sacramento Kings preview edition. Tony Zip Terrace, Kenny Carraway, thanks for joining us. Uh, Kenny, I, I think based on what we talked about earlier, we know what you're most excited and most nervous about. You're most excited about Fox. You sound a little nervous about Scal. Tony, what do you think? Like, do you think that like jives with what most Kings fans are are thinking like about what they're most excited and most nervous about with uh, this season and the long term direction of the franchise? I think the fan base, like Kenny mentioned earlier in the show, was so excited for De'Aaron Fox. Um, they wanted that guy bad. And every time Fox would tease them, whether it was a purple tie or like, you know, <laughs> a crown emoji on Twitter, just the littlest things, Kings fans would latch onto it and be like, oh, we need to get this guy. We need to get this guy. So the excitement for De'Aaron Fox is unlike anything I've seen, you know, even more than Boogie when Boogie was just here because there wasn't that attachment yet. I, I mean, think 15, De'Aaron Fox, 15, 15, sorry, 15, 15. I can't say Boogie. That's not the name. <laughs> I mean, you can. I'm just, I'm just, I feel like Kings fans want to move on. Am I wrong? All right. I'll try and refrain from, from any more boogie references. Until <laughs> talk about real. Uh, but yeah, the, the excitement for De'Aaron Fox is through the roof. Uh, and I think people are uh, very quickly regretting that uh, Papa Giannis pick mm. uh, last year. Mm. I think we've, we've passed the part of being nervous and we have a lot of Kings fans who are just straight up ready to move on. Um, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but there was definitely a lot of anxious Kings fans over what Vlade Divac was thinking when he took Papianis at 13. Yeah. And you know what? And I, I kind of agree with him there. The crazy thing about it is when you talk about things that, you know, maybe the, the national media missed a little bit last year, it's not like he was killing, but at the end of last year, Papianis had moments that got people excited. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, well, this guy isn't, you know, a stiff and, you know, he can't get down there and do some things. And, once again, we go back to summer league, and he looks so bad in summer league that it just really has has people like like you said just jumping off the board. But Mike, I'll, I'll tell you this: you said most excited, most nervous, Scal and Fox, um, or Fox and Scal. I would actually even say, and you're you're kind of on with that, but I would even say De'Aaron Fox has people most nervous in a way because oh, yeah? there is. I'll say it because of this: there is so much on this kid right now there is so like he is literally looked at as the savior the face of the franchise the guy's going to turn everything around and the one thing that will keep him from being Alfred Payton or Mike Conley is that jump shot and I believe he'll get it done I'll I'll, I believe he's competitive enough he's a hard enough worker to get it done Um, but I mean, I also remember people saying the same thing about Tyreek Evans. Like, oh, if he gets a jump shot, then, you know, it's it's deadly, and it just never came. Sometimes it just never comes with these guys. So if he doesn't work, he's got to work, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because 
If he doesn't work, we're going back to the drawing board again. I'm glad you brought this up because I'm not comparing the two players because um, John Wall is a better prospect than Fox is. And, you know, but this is very similar, I would say, optically in terms of you've got this point guard savior that's sort of this fresh face that has a great character and is kind of like supposed to be the savior of a franchise and bring them out of like an incredible period of dysfunction, different kind of dysfunction, obviously, but incredible period of dysfunction. And he's not, he's a quick point guard who can't shoot from Kentucky. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. And there are definitely growing pains in DC learning to, for wall to learn from this and walls a better prospect than Fox. So I see, exactly that dilemma where it's like he's a fresh smiling face he's sort of the anti-15 in terms of sort of his temperament uh you know and yet you know he's still a 19 year old kid with flaws and it's he's gonna now have to carry a team with a lot of pressure i think there is a there's an analog there i think you can only hope that it turns out as well as john wall did in dc but it, it does remind me a little bit of that situation coming into his rookie year you know i guess that's why you bring in the vets in a way maybe you take that pressure off him i do have to mention one thing before we move on from exciting players because i'll get a lot of hate if i don't uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich oh, yeah. coming over this year. Forgot about from, him. From, the from, Mamba. The yeah, well, Mamba. here's the thing. I don't think people understand this if you're not in the Kings mix. But anytime you know we'd tweet about Bogdanovich or respond to his uh, Euroleague highlights, would get flooded with uh, Turkish league fans that would you know go back and forth on us and with Bogdanovich begging him to stay, kind of giving us some crap for trying to recruit him and bringing him over here. Um, but there's definitely a ton of excitement around him. He plays the same position as Buddy Heald, so there's already sort of uh, a roster battle discussion going on who's going to start because they did pay Bogdanovich a decent amount of money to come over here. It would be uh, strange to see that much money riding the bench, um, especially when you have Malachi Richardson and Garrett Temple at the two also. But there's definitely excitement in the air overseeing what Bogdanovich is after you know watching his highlights for two years now. He is, I believe, the highest paid rookie in the rookie scale era. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I that believe is, you're right. That is yeah. pretty amazing. So, what is he going to start the three? Like, what? What are they? What do you? What do you? Like, who's playing the three? I mean, that's is it Vince the, Carter? That's the like, question. they have so many the goddamn shooting guards. I know they. It's uh, amazing. Mal- so Malachi Richardson is the biggest two, and in the first summer league game, again we keep going back to summer league, they actually started Malachi Richardson at the three, which I thought was kind of interesting because there had been rumors that maybe the Kings were going to try and move him down because he got the you know the summer bump where he gained twenty pounds of muscle, that whole thing that you hear uh, every year from every player, um, and he blew out his hamstring again in the first summer league game, so we never really got to even see what him at the three looked like. But what the Kings do at the three is probably the biggest question heading into the season because nobody really knows. Yeah, that yeah. It's also like who cares? Like they're gonna be bad either way. Like it's funny that they have no threes, but it's also like I remember like it's a whatever thing too for this year. You would think that they'll get a three eventually. Um, Darren Fox, obviously, I'd assume if you were to to tell a Kings fan one jersey from the current team to buy, I assume Fox would be number one. That's correct, right? You would say buy a Fox jersey first at this point. Definitely buy a Fox jersey. However, I will say a lot of people pledged to buy Vince Carter jerseys if he agreed to sign here. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Vince Carter jerseys at Golden One Center. That's a promise. So this is – I forgot about how they – of course the veterans. Like, So who's number – who would be number two? And you can have your reasons. Like who – 
someone comes to you and says, I have enough money to buy one jersey for the Kings and I already have Fox. Like, who's number two? I feel like there are a lot of ways you could take this question. I'm going to tell you like this, and I'm glad Tony brought him up because if he shows anything in the preseason or whatever, Bogdanovich is going to be the second biggest uh, jersey. Wow. they're, they're, They're so anxious to see this guy and see what he can do. They're ready to they're ready to fall in love with him the way they uh, fall in love with De'Aaron Fox. I think part of that has to do with the fact that he probably because he is you know a Euro guy and everything. It may remind people of Peja and give them like flashbacks of that, and they want that to happen again. I think he's really good. I don't think he'll be Peja Stojakovic, but if he shows anything like in the first two preseason games or in the first week of the season, I guarantee you see those jerseys just spike out of nowhere. Man, I, I hope that when they play the Pacers, there's like the two Bogdanovich jerseys are going to kind of be standing <laughs> next to each other. Oh, man. There was rumors that he, that the other one might sign with the Kings. I was begging <laughs> for that to happen, but it didn't go down. Because they needed a three, but just didn't yeah. happen. Uh, I, I've seen the uh, other Bogdanovich's experience. I think you guys kind of lucked out a little bit. Um, Tony, do you agree? Uh, Bogdanovich number two. Yeah, Bogdanovich or Vince Carter, uh, but but like uh, Kenny said, the, well, I'll say this in general: Kings fans are so hungry to latch onto something. I think the first time one of these young players really shows a sign of life, and I think Bogdanovich uh, has a lot of potential to do that because he's a more experienced rookie. Um, as soon as he starts showing flashes, again, I think it's because of the people in Sacramento have a, a reverence for the European star. Uh, I think Bogdanovich jerseys will sell, and and you'll hear a lot of a lot of Bogdanovich noise out of Sacramento if he plays well. See, I would have said uh, Zebo for the novelty, so I'm glad you guys are representing real Kings fans. Well, maybe before really the want. maybe before the arrest, you might have. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Good point. Maybe not him. Um, let's talk a little bit about past teams. We are going to talk about 15 again. Um, I want to pose this hypothetical to y'all because it's been kind of something I've thought a lot about. And I know we're kind of going back in time and talking about the same sort of big overarching question that we vowed not to talk about anymore because 15's gone. Let, let's say you swap 15 and Chris Weber. And so you put 15 as the four on those super fun, amazing, you know, Kings teams of the early aughts. Like the teams that like honestly like made a lot of people fall in love with basketball myself not included, I already love basketball, but they were a shining light and a beacon of darkness in the NBA, those teams. But then you put Chris Webber on, let's say, the Kings of the Boogie, or excuse me, the 15 era. What do you think happens about those players? Do you think, like, do you think 15, like, kind of is a totally different sort of guy? Or do you think that, like, 15 maybe sucks the energy of that, that team down? Uh, I, I'll answer this one first. I definitely don't think 15 15- sucks the energy out no okay when i first thought about this i thought it would be exactly the same like there were the kings and you know the early 2000s would be just as successful just as fun you know and, and nothing would happen and the kings of you know now would be you know dismal and still have issues but as i thought about it a little more and, and while i think on the floor i think that would be the same um i actually think boogie might even be better with that team than chris weber was but um I think there's a wild card element that that 15 would bring that Chris Weber wouldn't bring. And I thought about like, you know, he'd be a wild card, but at least, you know, he'd have like Bobby Jackson there to, you know, talk him down a little bit. And ironically, apparently from sources that I have, Bobby Jackson and DeMarcus Cousins didn't get along at all. Like when Bobby was around the team a lot, 
um, doing the broadcasting stuff. So, like, even saying Did that. Did like, like any broadcasters, though? <laughs> uh, he might have liked Certainly Gary not Lucas. Sean Elliott. <laughs> not <laughs> Sean Elliott. But that's interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think about that. And, you know, he, he would be a wild card. He It wouldn't be. Uh, it would be just as um, you're on edge as you are watching him any other time about when he might, you know, blow up or whatever the case may be. But I do think that type of uh, environment, he I don't think he would mess it up, just like he didn't mess it up the year he was at Kentucky. And, you know, they, they were harmonious. I think he would thrive in that. Weber, on the other hand, I think Weber would have asked for a trade. And Cousins never asked for a trade. I think Weber would have pouted and would have wanted out probably – a year or two before, you know, Boogie ended up actually leaving. So I I don't think, I think maybe the production on the court would have been the same, but I don't think like there's still a lot of love for DeMarcus Cousins right now, even though he was traded or whatever the case may be. I could see a situation if cut, if Weber was in that situation, there wouldn't be love. He would ask to be traded and he would be soundly booed whenever he came back. I mean, we forget that Weber was a little, I mean, not in the same ways, um, with, in fact, in totally different ways, a little mercurial himself in certain yeah. ways. I mean, didn't he want out after 2001? Like, there was a whole big issue about, like, whether he wanted to stay anyway. I mean, I might be misremembering that, but, I mean, that's why I kind of like this question is that this feels like, in a lot of ways, a very ner- nature versus nurture question because, you know, it's not like Weber is the, I mean, I, I've, it, trust me, I've been on the Chris Webber experience. Like he's in was in a lot of ways a super incredible, talented player. That it's a, a fantastic dude now, but also like you know bounced around a little bit. Like he sort of had a cousins like early type of career. No, you're you're right. I mean, in in one, you know, we kind of had to, you know, really beg, like there was really angst of with if whether Chris was going to sign or not, like had to beg him. You had Joe and Gavin with billboards all over talking about staying with mow your lawn and things of that nature. <laughs> I and, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it was real angst. Whereas with cousins, I don't think that's ever been an issue. You know, cousins from day one, I said, I want to be here. He's shown it with, you know, the things he did in the community and that, you know, that aspect of Cousins, cousins was some, or 15, excuse me, was something we never <laughs> have to worry about. You know what I mean? We, we never had to worry about whether he wanted to be here. It was just if the powers that be wanted him here. So, yeah, Weber, Weber was um, I, I love Chris, too, but uh, he was he was an interesting cat, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it. Yeah, his relationship with the Kings has always been a little weird even to this day when he comes back you know you can they bring back mike bibby Peja, the rest of the guys and it's it's usually pretty fine they show him on the on the big screen uh they show him on the broadcast and you can see them joking around with everybody the stuff with weber it's it's always just a little awkward a little forced a little weird and i it's hard to put your finger on why but i can definitely feel it it sounds like kenny kind of knows what i'm talking about even when he comes around now it's a little little bizarre if he comes around, that's the crazy thing. That's like, the other he, thing, too. That's yeah. the crazy thing about it. He doesn't even – he came back for his jersey retirement and when he does TNT games. But other than that, you can't see Chris Webber. And that's that's unfortunate because, you know, we want to love him like that. But he's not – like you said, it's really weird. It's a weird dynamic. Well, he took some – probably some undeserved shit for, you know, coming up short and some of this other stuff. I mean, I think there's some of that as well. Of course, you could argue that Boogie took some undeserved shit as well. Two very interesting, complex players, and it's just timing is such a fascinating thing in the league. You know, if if they switch places, like you might have seen very different 
sort of we might be talking about uh, 15 the same way we talk about Weber now it's just timing can often be everything and that's why I think I'm really curious like what Kings fans would say to that question um here's a more fun one we ask this at the end of every show um you get the choice to add any three Kings players from Kings history or now to your banana boat i.e you're surfing like LeBron and D Wade and Carmelo and Chris Paul and it's you and three other kings um, to be on your vacation, just chilling on the boat. Who you guys got? Go ahead, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I think Vlade has to be on there. If you're going on vacation with a, a, a Sacramento King uh, veteran or or a past player, I think you got to take Vlade. He was the heart and soul of the Kings, and they were at their best. And a large part of that was the fun they had in the locker room together. And Vlade was sort of the ringleader. Um, I'd take Boogie just for the stories. If you spend any amount of time, I would love to, I would love to spend even an hour with Boogie and see what that dude's really like because you see his persona on Twitter and the stuff he's not afraid to say to the media. I'd love to spend some time with that dude. So you got Vladi, you got Boogie. The third one is a, I could go in a lot of different directions. I'm going to go real personal here. No one's going to see this coming, but I'm going to take Baino Udrick because that's oh, wow. my dude. Uh, Baino. It'd be a weird dynamic there, but... I've had a connection to Bano. Oh, or should I take Omri? I'm taking Omri. I'm switching. I'm taking Omri Cassidy. <laughs> Wait, what's the connection to Bano? I actually want to. You kind of cut off at the end, end of an interesting story. There is no real connection other than like he was here at a very weird time in King's history where they were half competing, the tail end of the Maloof era. And he was like kind of good in yeah. a weird way that no one really noticed. And he, he kind of got chipped off. Uh, out in, like, and it was really no one made a big deal out of how efficient he, he was. Just he was just good and never really got any credit for it. That's how, that's my take on Bano. And he was a, a good dude too. He's another guy that uh, still comes back to Sacramento all the time, despite having not been here in a very in a long time. He loved it here, so he's a good king. He was also yeah, he was. the the one that Tom put the uh, war was it the Wabano. Uh, graphic right yeah that stuff too there was just a lot of of kids i don't know they just attached to him for whatever reason (laughs) (laughs) all right that's an interesting boat i wouldn't have i mean vladi i think is a i mean someone i would have thought of but the other two not as much kenny who was on your boat Okay, so I may or may not have thought entirely too much about this question. Oh, I'm so, so glad you thought about it. <laughs> so, so okay, let me break this down. So you got Cousins and Weber, okay? They're a little too moody. I don't know if I want to go on vacation with them. They may wake up on the wrong side of the bed, may not be in a good mood. You, you never really know. I, now, also, I will say this. When I go on a vacation, I'm... I'm you know, factoring, you know, I'm going with single guys right here. They may be married now, but I'm taking their single selves. Yeah. We want to have a good time. So then you got Jason Williams, white chocolate. We love 55, but he's a little too chill for me. If I'm going on a vacation, I'm trying to turn up. Okay. Mitch Richmond doesn't seem like a ton of fun. Vladi. I love Vladi, but he, he seems very funny, but he smokes a lot. And I don't know if I want to be around a guy that's smoking cigarettes all, all vacation. You did and think that's a lot. Yeah, I, I, a lot. Way too much. Way too much. Check this out. So then you got Artes. He was a, a serious consideration for me, but I decided to pass on him. And then how about this, Tony? I even had a serious, serious consideration from a team Cleese because he seems like a team player. Damn. A lot of fun. It, I, I thought about it, but, but he couldn't make it. So then it came down to this. I have... Reggie Theus, because Reggie Theus would bring the honeys, right? R- Rush Street Reggie. He would bring <laughs> the honeys, right? That's a great right? call. That's a great but, call. <laughs> however, however, he's not going to be on a vacation because 
Reggie seems a little selfish. You know what I mean? He seems yeah, like he yeah. would get all the honeys and then keep them for himself, right? So I, I don't know if I want Reggie on there. So to bring the honeys, I got Paja. Because the, the ladies love Paja. And okay. Paja would not be selfish like Reggie. He'd be like, hey, how you doing, girl? Hey, this is my friend, Kenny. Come talk to him real quick. He'd be, he would give assists all over the place. So I got Paja. I got Scott Pollard because he's a fun guy. And if anything <laughs> happened on vacation, he's a survivor. Like, a, literally a survivor. He would, he would know how to help us out with that. So I got Scott Pollard. And then last but not least, I, I dug in the archives for this one. And oh, this wow. Is a slam dunk. I Damon Jones would be on my vacation. He, he played for the, the Kings? Mayor. Yeah, for one when? year, 2003, 2004. <laughs> Damn, he, he really did do a lot of research into this. Wow, Kenny, you could call like a million Kings fans and know what <laughs> Wow. He, he's the mayor of the NBA. We'd have all, somehow he knows everybody. We'd have Diddy there. We'd have Drake there. You know, we'd have concerts. We'd be all VIP everywhere, all because of Damon Jones. So, yes, that, we'd have a great time. Peja Pollard and Damon Jones. Have a blast. There's a lot of people to fit on one boat. With uh, when you throw in all the Drake and all that, uh, Damon yeah. Jones. I feel like is it is it like right to add, put someone on there who was literally on the team for just one year? I don't know. That's a I guess you get that on a technicality, but you know, I was uh, it's like kind of a weird. If, if, <laughs> I don't know if, about that one. If Damon if Damon can't make it, I would go with our test. He was my Artest. last alternate. I would go with our test. I, totally- I would have thought Bobby Jackson. What about Bobby Jackson? Bobby, he's an honorable mention as well. Okay. I like Bobby. I've met Bobby a couple times. He's a good guy. He's a real good guy. So yeah, Bobby could Bobby could get on there instead of our test. He'd probably have stories too. So I I I I, I will take our test off and put Bobby on there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with the rest of your logic. I mean, you thought about this question a lot more than anyone has ever thought about this question. Yeah, I, I may or may not. I may or may not have spent the last hour of my work day. <laughs> Well, that's how I know it's a good question. <laughs> if we can, if there's like so many ways to go with this. Uh, all right. Last but not least, um, I know we both probably don't think the we all don't think the Kings are making the playoffs. Like, what's the like realistic best case scenario for this year? Um, realistic best case scenario, you got them at thirty to thirty-five wins. Uh, contending for an A spot, not the whole year, but like late into March to get people excited. You know, maybe April 1st, you know, they, they lose their fourth game in a row and kind of just the dream evaporates. Um, you got Fox, Scal, and Willie Colley Stein really developing and looking like legit keepers, you know, foundation pieces. And then also, a little personal one of mine. They beat the Lakers three out of the four games. Mm. Fox outplays Lonzo every time. And then, mysteriously, after the first game where he outplays him, the second time, Lonzo has, like, leg cramps and doesn't show up. Oh, I so we can about keep that this. Narrative. Yeah, we can keep that narrative going on. I don't think it's true. I don't think Lonzo's afraid of him. But I love the storyline. I love the Fox emojis. Great story. Yeah, It's a but great yeah. way to rekindle the rivalry. I, totally, yeah, I can't believe this perfect. slipped my mind for an hour. Like, oh, of course. The Fox versus ball thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then a win against the Warriors at home. Um, number one, because they try to invade Golden One Center a lot with their fans. And then also, like, seriously, I think that would be something good for this these young guys to hang their hats on and, like, build for. Like, hey, we beat the world champs. Like, we can compete with these guys. So if they could sneak out one win against the Warriors somehow, some way, even if it means uh, Clay sitting one night or something like that, just, just beat them. I, I think that would be a successful season. Worst season will be... Worst case scenario would be 22 to 25 wins. And the win total isn't really the issue. It's if Fox, Scal, and Willie, like, show nothing and kind of look like 
Thomas Robinson, Jimmer, or Stauskas after their rookie year, where they you could tell like they weren't going to be anything, and you're like, oh crap, we're we're in trouble now. So. Yeah, that would be the worst case scenario. You could have gone a few more players deep with that, but I wasn't going to make you. Oh, yeah, that's that roll them off. We don't have time. <laughs> yeah, we don't have time on the podcast. It'd have to be a two-part podcast. <laughs> uh, Tony, I'll put you on the spot first. How many wins this year? Uh, I'm going to go like 28. Uh, 28. Maybe they maybe they sneak 30. I mean, I think the taking emotion out of it. I think the best case scenario for this team is to lose as many games as they possibly can and really try and get the number one pick this year because. They don't have their pick in 2019. This is sort of the last the last tank year for the Kings. It'd be really tough to watch, but they really need that draft pick. Um, so I, I wouldn't like to watch the team win, you know, 25, 28 games, but that does seem like what's best for the team at this point. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting you say that, Tony, because I, I've had multiple talks with this, uh, about this with other people, and it's like, we, we all want to win. It's been almost 15 years since the Kings, Kings been in the playoffs. We all want to win. But I will take one more garbage year if it got us somebody like a Michael Porter, who isn't he like a small forward? You know what I mean? Like if he he's is. perfect. Yeah. If perfect, like with that gaping hole we have at small forward to just be garbage one more year, get a Michael Michael Porter, then you roll out a Fox, Scow, Buddy, Porter, you know, and then you're like, all right, let's make a move. What's the rhyme that you would come up with for – you know, tanking for Michael Porter. I'm trying to. I feel like I'm putting it all on the spot in this, but there's, I, no, there's got to be one. There's uh, got to be a rhyme, or like maybe for, or like uh, bag it for Bagley. I saw that one on Twitter today. Yeah, once he declared for. Uh, how about yeah. be horrible for Porter or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I think we need to workshop this one a little bit more, but on another <laughs> podcast. Um, all right. Well, I mean, it's true. Like it, they, uh, they kind of do need to tank this year, but you know, teams don't do that. No, they always play to win. Uh, of course, uh, all of that. Um, this was terrific. Uh, Tony Zipteris from Sacktown Royalty, Kenny Caraway from uh, Casey's Corner Podcast, and a longtime listener. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, where can folks find you? Uh, just check out the Sacktown Royalty Show. I took over the podcast from Greg Wistinger, my my buddy Greg. Um, so we were about. Four weeks into it, trying to record every week. So if you want a, a King-centric podcast from SBation, check out the Sacktown Royalty Show. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm heavy on Twitter, at IMKDiddy. It's like P. Diddy, but just a K instead of a P. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm heavy on the Twitter, you know, so you can find me there. Um, the podcast is on iTunes, put in Casey's Corner. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud. Um, and also my Instagram, I do some funny stuff on there. So Kenny Caraway Basketball on instagram you know i'm kind of rebranding that into less of i was i do basketball training so not so much as a basketball training but just like a basketball culture type site so um yeah check me out there kenny caraway basketball and at imk diddy on twitter i'm looking forward to the uh original shoe design for the deanna and fox ones the nike yes. and fox ones or where we're yeah. signed for he's a creative dude so i'm excited to see what those look like <laughs> <laughs> all right this was terrific uh sacramento kings podcast uh thanks so much for joining us this is the limited upside podcast <laughs>